0: This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
1: Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall. done Elvis Andrews!
0: And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field,
2: Meneo left the Guerrero lifts one to left field, and... Tony, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion.
0: Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS+, Plus, to juiced balls, to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well,
2: I can tell you this, It is a beautiful day in Oakland, California. Actually, one of the hottest days of the year that we have had, which means tonight is going to be spectacular. A's fans, get out here and support this ball club as they are fighting for their playoff lives at this point. Right now, where we stand with the Oakland Athletics, the Red Sox lead the first wild card by a game and a half over Toronto. They host the Mets tonight. Toronto leads the Yankees by a half game. They're playing Tampa, which we're big Rays fans, once again. And then you've got the A's are two games back. And, of course, the Yankees are playing host to the Rangers. And, you know, when Scott Emerson is coming on, I mean, everybody gets ready. People are holding his headset. I mean, it's like he's the man with the master plan. Emo, how are you?
3: I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys?
2: We were just talking about the, uh, the old standings, and uh, are, are you one of those guys? I am one of those guys. I'm watching, the, I'm watching the scoreboard the whole time at this time of the year. Are you watching it?
3: I mean, it, it, you can't deny, you know, you got the scores during our game. You're looking at the scoreboard every now and then. But, you know, ultimately, we just got to go out there and take care of business ourselves, and, and whatever happens, happens. But, you know, you do uh, tend to scoreboard watch this time of year.
2: You know, when I I think about what it's like with a pitching staff and and, and how you utilize a pitching staff at this time of the year, I mean, because all these games, wouldn't you agree, are like playoff games and how you handle playoff games are different than you handle the game in July.
3: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, know, guys might have to get up a little bit earlier. Uh, The scoreboard always going to dictate what's going to happen and uh, who's going to pitch at at what time. So, you know, Bo Mel, our skipper, does a great job of handling that and, uh, you know, helping us uh, put guys in the right positions to have success. And and that's what the game's all about is putting players in position to have good success. And, And, you know, down the stretch, you need those guys to sometimes get out of their comfort zone. If they're used to pitching the sixth, then they might have to pitch the the fifth and the sixth or 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 something like that. So guys, when it comes down to winning ball games, have to be able to get out of their comfort zone for us to have success.
2: You know, when I think about Chris Bassett and what he means, and I know there's been no announcements. There's just been some rumors out there. Ken Rosenthal's put it out with the Athletic. Uh, it's out there on Twitter, and of course, we believe everything we read on Twitter. But whether he throws on Thursday or not. Just what is it going to mean once he gets back on the mound for you, this pitching staff?
3: Well, you know, Chris, Juan, uh, he's a great teammate, a great leader, a guy that leads by example, and he wants to get, you know, out on that field as soon as possible. So, you know, it's our job as an organization to make uh, good decisions on his behalf. You know, if if you ask him, he wanted to be out on the mound, you know, 10 days ago, right when he got back. He was like, I don't need to play catch, let's go. But, uh, you know, that's just the way he is. You know, he, he wants to rock. He wants to pitch uh, in great moments. You know, he wants to take the shot. You know, I, I think I've always told you that, uh, you know, the guys that take the last shot and make them and the guys that take the last shot and miss, those still are the guys that take the last shot and they want the ball. And Chris Bassett wants the baseball. So, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, we're doing our, all our due diligence on him. And uh, when it comes time for him to get on that mound, uh, we'll make that decision.
2: You know, and, and Bob has mentioned it. We've talked a lot about it on the postgame show. If he's only going to go, let's say, three innings or two innings. I mean, you really don't know, but let's just let's just say two, three innings. Is it better to start the game off with those two to three? and he's pitched out the bullpen in the past. He's a dynamic arm. You need some dy- dynamic arms down the bullpen. Have you guys talked about, you know, is it better to pitch him in the end and high leverage innings, or just starting the game off and getting you off to a good start?
3: Well, I think there's always, you know, that uh, thought of, you know, well, if he doesn't start the game and you're down three runs or four runs, then it's useless pitching somebody, you know? So I think, you know, you look at the best starters in the game, they, they go as hard as they can, as long as they can. And, and that's kind of what I see out of Chris Bassett. You know, if you if you put him in early in the game and he goes out and does his job for three, four, five, whatever innings it is, he gives the team a chance for success. But if you're just speaking on uh, Chris Bassett's behalf and he doesn't start the game and then those games you're down three and four nothing and he's coming in, in in those types of situations, then maybe you've kind of wasted the early part of the game, too. So there's there's a lot of things that get discussed in this. So there's been
2: talk about guys being tired. And I look at velocity, and velocity seems to be the same. And what I've been saying on the A's Clubhouse show, there's a difference between being physically tired and mentally tired, mentally exhausted. So I think there are certain guys that, are not physically, but I think they're not used to playing this long, going this deep in a season, taking the ball every five
3: days. Would you agree there's some mental exhaustion going on? Well, you, you know, you, you never want to use that as a crutch, you know, as a coach. But it's you know. true, I mean. Yeah, yeah I yeah. know, I mean, you, you, you start the season, everybody's fresh, and then everybody's asking you all these questions about, you know, with the pandemic last year, are guys gonna wear out and be tired? Well, you know, in reality, yeah, probably. But you, you don't want to go out and make that statement at the beginning of the season that the, your horses can't finish races. You know, you want to be as strong and as, as uh, positive as possible. So, you know, for me, I always say, you know, it is a, it, it is a marathon. But the best guys can sprint that marathon. They can go as hard as they can, as long as they can, and finish the season and make those 30 to 34 starts, whatever it may be, over the course of the season. So I don't like to use it as an excuse that guys are getting tired or mentally tired. You know, um, that's part of life. And and when you tow the slab and, and you get Cross that white line, it's gotta be go time. You know, you gotta find a way to motivate yourself, you know, no matter what the crowd is, no matter what the umpires are doing, no matter what your teammates are doing, you get across that white line, you know, it, it's, it's, it's uh, crunch time, you know? It, it's time for you to say, hey, this is what big leaguers are for. These guys get paid a lot of money to go out there on the field and compete and I don't think they want to use that as an excuse or I want to use that as, a, as an excuse but you're right it is out there there's you know for me when I see guys tire it's not about the velocity it's more about the command because they'll start humping up and overthrowing a little bit to make sure they have their velocity but in reality I want to make sure that these guys are locating their pitches because. When you're facing a team several times, you know, we've had Cole Irvin uh, and uh, Caprillion come to mind facing Texas. It's like every time we play Texas, they're pitching against Texas. So now it's about how can you command your ball? They know what's coming. They know what your stuff looks like. They know what your delivery looks like. It's commanding the baseball. And that's the same here is if we're tired, then I got to command the baseball. I got to be able to still change speeds because hitting is timing and pitching is disruption of timing. So I can still do that, but that command is ultimately going to have to show up at the end of the season. You know, I think of Frankie Montas when you talk
2: about not being mentally exhausted and getting better mentally because he's always had the stuff. I mean, ever since you worked with him with the splitty, I mean, the fastball's already been. I mean, the talent, the natural talent. I mean, he's he's 6'2", 250 pounds. He's built like a linebacker. What has changed in him mentally that makes him so good right now?
3: I I think the, you know, I talked to him the other day about this, is the ability to read the game. Where am I going to get hurt if I make a mistake? Don't make that mistake. You know, we had that little conversation in uh, Anaheim the other day. You know, he gave up a couple of 0-2 hits at the top of the strike zone when guys were swinging and missing at a split-finger fastball. And I'm like, hey. You don't have to set up this pitch. It's not like they've never seen you before. Just go right to your split. And he started you know, doing that, not setting up hitters, just going right to his his equalizers. And uh, I think he's finally learning that part of pitching of how to pitch. You know, we, we've seen the improvement of Chris Bassett over the years about knowing what he's doing with his baseball and knowing how to pitch. It's one thing to go out there, and have stuff and outstuff somebody every now and then, but it's another thing to go out there and think. You know, we've always had sometimes we've heard those coaches say, Don't think, just throw. That's not what pitching is. Pitching is reaction and, and watching what's happened, having a game plan, having a scouting report, going into that game, knowing what you wanna do with your ball, and then watching what the hitters are trying to do against you and then make those adjustments. And that's the one thing I think Frankie has done the last two months is he's got a better understanding of himself out on the mound and don't lead the horse to water because the horse will drink it. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> you, you know,
2: when you, when you think about these, especially at this time of the year, the guys that can come in, let's call it the third, the fourth, the fifth, you know, the bridge guy to the bridge guy to the bridge I mean. These guys that can pitch early in the middle innings become so valuable. We don't think about that, but talk about how, like, like think what Guerra has done for you, how valuable these guys can be at this time of the year.
3: I mean, you look at that first guy in coming out of the bullpen. That's like the, uh, the stopper. You know, we got the closer at the end of the game. He closes the door. The game's over with. But you need that one guy in the middle game that stops the action. Tourniquet. The, well, tourniquet stop the action you got to come in and we got a three-run lead pitch a scoreless inning and let us have a three run lead with less game to play after you're done and those guys are very unappreciated or or uh, you know not appreciated I guess and but for me they're appreciated because we need that guy you come into a game in the sixth and generally if you're a reliever coming into the game in the sixth there's guys on base because you're trying to get your starter. You know, he gets through five, everybody's happy, starter's happy, you know, I got a chance for a win. I'm, in, I'm down there going, hey man, the sixth inning is like an important inning because the fifth, you know, and I've started before, the fifth you feel like, okay, you got a chance to win the game for yourself. The sixth is about winning the game for your team. You got to come out there, you got to nail down the sixth inning. And if guys get on base, this guy's got to come in from the bullpen and bail you out. That's a huge job. You know, it wasn't that long ago
2: that Randy Johnson won number 300 over in San Francisco. And the big question was, Will anyone ever win 300 games again? And then all of a sudden, we're now looking at 200 because John Lester, former A, just got number 200, and we're looking down the list. Okay, I I see Scherzer. I see Kershaw. 200 now might be the new 300.
3: You think that's possible? That's very possible. You look at, like, 20-win seasons from starters now, it's more like, you win 15, you're, you're winning a, a lot of baseball games for your team. Even winning 10 nowadays is good. That's like a third of your starts. So, you know, I, I think that the, the days of even, uh, you know, 300 are probably gone. And a lot of that is due to how we how we manage the pitching staff nowadays. You got pitch counts. You got, uh, you know, uh, starters probably not going through the lineup a fourth time. You know, sometimes you don't even want them to go through a lineup a third time. Uh, so the analytics part shows up where it might be better to have your starter go five and six and maybe finish the game off with some relievers. And then the way young pitchers are being taught to pitch this year, it's all about velocity. They throw it as hard as they can. They won't be sustainable for 120 pitches or 100. You know, they're, they're starting to do this at, at a young age. You know, we're talking 14, 15 years old. They're throwing everything as hard as they can. And uh, for me, that's putting stress on their, on their body. And so now, all of a sudden, you want somebody to win 300. Man, we don't. We're not even going to have that many seven, eight-inning pitchers anymore at the rate we're going in this game. If that's the case, it's at some point is
2: baseball going to need expand and get more relievers? It's almost like there's not enough arms.
3: Well, my 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 theory was place. You know, you want to you want to shorten the game in time. Uh, play seven innings uh, and. You know, maybe have the starters still have to go five to complete a win but, uh, and add four more teams. You add four more teams to the league, that dilutes the pitching a little bit. And then, uh, you know, with seven inning games, you can cut back on your pitching staff, maybe to 11 pitchers or 10 pitchers. And the games are quicker. But, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people and they always say, well, what about the records? And, and I didn't grow up about records. I didn't grow up about going to the Hall of Fame. I grew up about winning baseball games, winning basketball games. It was all about the W. It wasn't about my statistics or anybody's statistics. It was about Ws. But the game has changed because statistics are a part of you know, what the analytics are, and they're a part of what all these TV shows and these radio shows are. Is about talking about numbers. And uh, for me, it should be talking about Ws. That's what we play the game for. Well, I tell
2: you what, I always talk about how – there is a spot for you next to me or anybody else in radio when you're ready to get in. But maybe we make you commissioner,
3: commissioner Emo. Well, I you know I got some ideas, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure being commissioner's not uh, you know that's a tough job too. I mean, there's a lot of tough jobs in baseball, and that's that's one of them. You, you can't please everybody, but uh, you know the time of game, it's it's just it's a lot simpler for me when you just go let's play seven.
2: Well, I'll tell you this. I'm not looking forward to the offseason, but once we get into the offseason, the science of pitching with Emo will start once again. I cannot wait. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Well, good luck the rest of the way, and uh, get us into the postseason. Thanks for having me. The great Scott Emerson right here on A's Cast Live.
0: a's cast live continues from ricky henderson field here's chris townsend
2: oh it is a beautiful day here in oakland california and the athletics you want to talk about do or die tonight this is it baby they got to get a victory we're in the first inning in boston boston leads the Mets. oh actually it's zeros right now in boston in new york Texas is in New York, scoreless in the first inning, and also scoreless in Tampa Bay, Toronto against the Rays. There you have it. And then you got the Mariners here. You know, the A's are now just 4-9 and nine against the Mariners on the season. Since August 8th, the Mariners, Cody, are 14-5 and five on the road. That's the best record in the American League. They've become
4: road warriors. Well, we thought that used to be the Blue Jays, but now that the Blue Jays are playing back at Rogers Center, it looks like the Mariners are becoming the road warriors. The other stat I found interesting, that Ty France is actually tied for the American League lead in hits since the All-Star break. With um, uh, Nicky Lopez of the Kansas City Royals, he has 78 hits since the All-Star break. So, and then you're, the A's are facing a guy tonight, Marco Gonzalez, who has a 2.53 ERA over his last 67 and two-thirds innings pitch and in that's 11 starts. He's also won seven straight decisions. So they got to have their oh, hands full tonight, although Matt Olsen does have three home runs off Marco Gonzalez this year.
2: All right, how much time do we have before Glenn Kuyper shows up? Uh, I don't know, seven or eight minutes. He's not even down here yet. Well, i got to tell you, thinking about this this morning, listening to people talk about I'm, I'm on the way to the golf course, and I'm listening to uh, uh, the Duke and our buddy Mike Farron Talk about John Lester winning 200 games. Now that I mean winning 100 games in the big leagues is a big deal. Winning 200 games is amazing. 300 games for sure puts you in the home, uh, put you into the Hall of Fame. But now we've seen guys that don't win 300; they're getting into the Hall of Fame, like Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez only won what? Not only, but he, two, he fifteen uh, or something like that?
4: Two yeah, two nineteen or something. Wasn't two twenty. No, and and uh, Mike Macina only won what two I mean say only he won two hundred and seventy games. So there's two there's two examples of guys and Mussina never even won a Cy Young, and he got he's in the hall of fame. And he but he was a really good pitcher. He was
2: and that that
4: leads me to a quote. Two nineteen for Pedro. I just wanted to make sure.
2: So Sarah Lang did an article on two hundred wins and it leads me to a quote by Max Scherzer, Mad Max, said, quote, everybody can have ability to do this, but few have the durability to do this, which means go after 200 wins. And asking Scott Emerson, and it kind of leads to what I want to talk about today, the 300 wins, went, What? Went, went, once Verlander got Tommy John, the 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 three the next 300 game winner is probably never it's probably never unless there's a complete different shift years from now we'll be retired and baseball changes we're not gonna see another 300 game winner and then you start thinking about okay how about a 200 game winner and you start looking at that list as John Lester got there I mean that list. You got Max Scherzer at 190. I'm going to say yes. I agree, yeah. Barring anything crazy. Clayton Kershaw at 185. I'm going to check mark yes. Adam Wainwright is at 183. I'm going to say question mark. Because next year might be his last year. So just say
4: he wins one more start this year. That's 184. That means he has to come back next year at age 41 and win 16 games.
2: I don't put anything against this guy. That's why I no, put a question I mean, mark. I mean, he's
4: second in the innings pitch this year
2: at four, at age 40. So. And he always says, well, maybe one, you know, sometimes it's one more year and then another year. Okay. Irvin Santana, no. He's at 151. The Big Maple, J.A. Happ, 132. He's 38 years old. No. No. Uh, the guy that everybody said was just the greatest pitcher, big game pitcher of all time, uh, Madison Bumgarner, 31, has 127. Question and mark. Question mark. If he
4: gets traded from Arizona, depending on where he goes, maybe.
2: I'm saying, well, have you looked at how, how hard he gets hit these days?
4: Uh, well, Arizona's a hitter's ballpark.
2: Do you see how hard how <laughs> he was in a, he was in San Francisco <laughs> yes. and he wasn't getting anybody out.
4: The, the next guy is the one that's. Uh, the question there there there's this guy and then there's one guy after him that i didn't put on there that's a question mark
2: uh garrett cole at 30 years old at 116
4: yes i say yes but it's gonna be tough because i'm saying question mark and then then the guy after him is chris sale has 113 and he's 32 i'm saying no okay the only guys i left off Cole Hamels, I guess, technically is active.
2: No. He's
4: 163. He's not going to no, do it. No, stop it. Uh, David Price has 154. No chance. But, and he's 35 years old. So, yeah. No chance. So, yeah, I am just looking at some of those guys. And then you have, you know, a couple other guys on the list that are after. I mean, if you look at age-wise. Uh, you got Strasburg at 113. No, he's 32. I think can't say healthy, first of all. Uh, Dallas Keuchel's at 98. No. Um, you got like people like Wade Miley on here. Um He's at 97, no. Trevor Bauer, before everything happened, he was at 83 career wins, but I'm going to say no, even if he was still pitching and nothing happened, because he's 30 years old and he has has 83 wins, I don't think it happened. So, Garrett Cole might be the next 200 game winner, if you want to look at it that way, but that's about it.
2: Well, when it comes to 300 game winner, now you asked me earlier up in the box, you said, give me the pitchers who have thrown, who have won 300 games since. They lowered the mountain in 1968. And, yes, I knew them. And in this article by Sarah, she makes it seem like it's a small percentage, but it's not really. There's only been 24 guys in 150-something years of baseball to win 300 games. Yeah. And four of them have won since 1968.
4: Yeah, four guys.
2: That's a decent percentage of all the guys that have won. Yeah, it is, and
4: uh, Le- when Lester joined the two hundred club, he was the thirtieth left-hander to do that, by the way. So, but yeah, the, the three, the four guys that won three hundred games since nineteen sixty-eight when the mound was lowered are Roger Clemens, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and Randy Johnson, who was the most recent one, pitching for not the Diamondbacks, not the Astros, not the Yankees, not the Mariners. I already mentioned it with EMO. Yeah, I know. Just it's crazy to think
2: they did it with the Giants. He came back home, the kid from Livermore, but. You think about it, like some of those guys that got 300 wins, if you go look at, like, Cy Young, Walter Johnson, you go look at these guys' careers and their career numbers and the insane amount of starts that they had to get to 300 wins, you'd have to say that Maddox, Glavin, Clemens, and Johnson were by far probably the most efficient and the one guy that I don't I, – it's its splitting hairs here because he started in 1967 as a kid at a USC would be Tom Seaver. Yeah. I mean, you really could include Tom Seaver on this list. He won 311 career games, by the way, Tom Seaver. Is that any good? So the whole – since 1968, well, he started in 67. But really, a lot of the 300-game winners, you've got to go way back to where it was an insane amount of starts and innings that it took them to get that – you don't get in today's baseball.
4: Greg Maddox is actually eighth on the all-time wins list. So Maddox had finished with 355, and obviously Cy Young with uh, only 511. I don't know if you can take eight pitchers and add up to 511. Do you know who the? I didn't go through the whole list, but I'm just generalizing. Do you know who the A's uh, leader in wins is right now?
2: On the season? You no, know, career. As a pitcher? Yeah. I, I would go it. Catfish.
4: No, no, no. This Currently pitching right now, this season. Like, the active oh. pitchers. I'd go Frankie Montas. No. So, well, my, I, it's not fire because he's not pitching. The answer is Yasmira Petit, if I'm not mistaken. 50. So oh,
2: you mean, I thought you meant for this year. No, no,
4: no, no. I meant career, career, career wins. Fires has That's seventy-five. A stupid
2: question. You're talking about a guy who started, and he's a reliever. But fifty.
4: I mean, you're just looking at it, like you're talking. We're talking about Lester, won two hundred games, and uh, Manaya has forty-nine.
2: Okay, you should have said it could have been any pitcher because yeah. when you pose that question, you're making it seem as a starter.
4: Yeah. So, uh, Fires has seventy-five. Manaya has forty-nine. I forget how many Frankie he has. He, I don't think he has that many though. Frankie has thirty career wins. So. Yeah, if you go career wins, it's going to be Fires. Yeah, seventy-five.
2: Yeah. and then and then Yasmer Petit. Well, he was a starter. He was, yeah. He's won a lot of games as a reliever. He's been around forever, so that does that's not shocking. I mean, how many guys? If we look down here, how many guys have had a long career? You're not going to look at Cole Irvin. You're not going to look at Cap. You're not going to look at Dalton Jeffries. You're not going to look Cole at Irvin. At Sean Sha- Maniah. Cole Irvin. This is his first full year. I mean, so I'm looking at all the all the all the pitchers right now, and you're not looking at any guys that have had long careers. Glenn Kuiper, the TV face of your Oakland Athletics, joins
1: us here. You know what they say. You know what they say. Face for radio, voice for newspaper.
2: You ever heard of that one? No, I haven't heard that. I've heard people tell me I have a face for radio.
1: You absolutely do. No question about it.
2: Which is kind of sad, but (laughs) I don't think my mom would agree. But
1: no, you're a good guy. How are you? One of my favorites. Good. How are you? How are you? I was bummed last night. You know why I was bummed? Because it was, it just you know the loss was was kind of crummy, and there was just no atmosphere in the ballpark. And it's the last home stand, and team comes home from a good road trip, and it just didn't feel it. I know. I... and that and that it, I did. I was riding home thinking, man, I don't know.
2: Yeah, it, it, it you know when you don't have anybody in the ballpark and you got two teams that are playing for the playoffs and we know how much it means at this point, but we totally understand. There's still a pandemic going on. There's a lot going on, but it was just it was tough to watch where these guys come home with a five-game winning streak and they see like four thousand in the stands. And you know what, Tony? And listen,
1: I, I don't want this to come across like a criticism. It's not. It's an observation, and and it's a. I think that it affects the home team players. I do.
2: I totally agree. Like- I think
1: they I think it, it they're not gonna say it, but I think it, it disappoints them. And I think fans can give a team a jolt late in the year. Um and I do. I think it affects it affects the home team players in a way where I think, you know, if there was lots of energy in the ballpark, coming coming home from a road trip, you're tired, late in the year pennant race, it would give you a jump. It really would. But what can you do? Because if you're Seattle, what do you care? No, they don't, yeah. They'd, they'd rather come here and play with nobody in the stands, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, they're they're like, hey, we're on the road. No know? one ripping you? Yeah. So, listen, I mean, it it, it is what it is. I mean, we're not – we're not discussing a new subject here, but it—I thought last night it just it it jumped out at me a little bit. It it did, um, and maybe it was just Tyler Anderson. I don't know. I don't know. You know. But I, I, I'm back. I feel good today.
2: Yeah, you're, you're yeah. ready to go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't want you to think that this held me down no into the morning hours it did not <laughs> but but i am yeah i'm good to go here
2: i did say last night on the post game show it was one of the most depressing games i've ever done. i know
1: i heard you i was listening and and i it, it is sort of got me thinking more about it. it it did it just it i was a little bummed last night on the way home for for that for you know for that reason. Hey, you lost that sucked a big game but yeah it just there was not a lot of energy here last night and that's too bad
2: and now you're at a point, and I hate to say it because baseball is just not that sport. It's just you just can't lose.
1: No, it, yeah, you're right. That's the spot you're in. Mariners are in the same spot, and I think the way I look at it, Tony, is you you can afford to lose a game. You can't afford to lose two or three in a row. Even if you even if you lost like in it was it 12 games left whatever the exact number is if if you at any point in that 12 games or in, at, at any point in this home stand if you lost a couple games in a row I just think that i think you're in i think you're in big big trouble maybe that's i mean maybe, maybe that's being captain obvious I don't know but you're
2: already in big big trouble you lost
1: last yeah you lost last night but okay th- th- you got Okay, that's all right. Let's go, because you're only two back. But I, I, I'm just saying, if if you, if if you at some point in the next six games lose two in a row. Trouble, big trouble. And the Mariners are in the same spot. Mariners are even worse off because they're a game behind the A's. So yeah, I mean, listen, it, it it's is it desperation time a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so. But the Mariners are—they're a plucky group, man—and they have—they've outplayed the A's this year. Well, nine and four now against the yeah. A's. Yeah, and, and that's frustrating.
2: By the way, we do have some breaking news. Yeah, what do you got? Is Bob Bob Melvin is just sitting in the dugout right over from us? He just talked to the media.
1: Chris Bassett.
2: He has admitted that Chris Bassett—it's a the secret everybody knew. Thursday. Chris Bassett nice. will be starting on Thursday.
1: Nice. Did he say anything about how long he may go?
2: Oh, we saw a tweet. And, you know, I, yeah, be- I, yeah. be- I believe everything I see on Twitter. Well, you
1: have to, really, because everybody's honest these days in the media. <laughs> well, all we know is he's going to start. Good.
2: And I got well, that's a feeling, great. He's, you know, at least the first start, the adrenaline's going to be there. That can carry you through a, a yeah. X amount of innings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's tremendous news. I mean, that, that, that's, that's a lift there. Uh, not only the fact that he'll be out there, but knowing it now. Man, that's great, awesome. Not not surprised now that you know you you see Bassett said it. He said it to our good friend Dallas Braden a couple days after. He said, "I'm going to be back," and he is. That's awesome. See now I'm now I'm pumped up. I'm back. And and I'm
2: back. and to think about <laughs> what Chris Bassett looked like when he was oh, texting God. Dallas Braden that. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, no.
1: But. Yeah, that was a bad night.
2: It's going to be such a spiritual lift, I think, when he goes out there for the A's yeah. on Thursday night. Yeah, yeah or yeah, a Thursday day.
1: Spiritual lift, and and on top of that, he's pretty good, right? So it, it it's a yeah, it's it's really twofold, and and you know, listen, it, that's Thursday. That means he'll get another start, you know, next week if everything goes well, and so yeah, that that's huge. That, that's exciting.
2: Yeah, at this point you got to ride your best players. Yeah,
1: boy, you sure do. Right? You sure do. Yeah. I mean And I, and I think too, you know, like the tough part is I mean you needed a good start last night. And and you know, Sean just he looked a little off. And you know, it's it's the time of year, Tony, and you just I think because every game is so magnified and when you lose, you you and you you deal with it before and after the game, you almost become more critical than you want to be because every game is so important and if you lose you start chopping up the game like, oh, that was a spot. That shouldn't have happened and, you know, you don't like to be like that but because the games are so important you you do kind of go back over the games and and look at mistakes that were made.
2: It kind of reverts back to kind of like football.
1: Yeah, every game. Yeah, that's right. All
2: these games, you know, it's not forget. This is not like, oh, you lost a game in July. We'll see you tomorrow. I mean.
1: Those days are over. Yeah, yeah,
2: this is. and, And the problem is, and what's been good about the A's players is they understand they've put themselves in this hole.
1: Yeah. And listen, you can't 162 game schedule. You're not blaming anybody. Um yeah, you're, no, that's absolutely right. They've lost games that they probably shouldn't have, but they still got a shot. You know, I mean, you're two back. The Yankees got a tough go yet. Yankees got a, a a tough final final week and a half. Um, so you need you know the Jays or the Red Sox need to stumble, and that's you know we'll see. Stay positive.
2: Yeah, that's the thing that stinks is that. Not only do you need to play well, almost flawless, but you need yeah. someone to stink it up and fall to you. Well,
1: you need two teams two to teams stink to it fall up, to yeah, because you. Yeah. you got the Yankees in between you and that second wild card. So yeah, but again, as you just said, that's the spot that the A's are in, and they know it. And but yeah, you 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 can't you don't control your own destiny, which is that's what every team wants, right? And and, and you just don't. So you you have to scoreboard watch. And, you know, I uh, what's going on? Red Sox, no score in a second, yeah. right? So you do, you become such a, you become so addicted to the to the out of town scoreboard, but that's what happens when you're chasing, right? I mean, Houston Astros aren't scoreboard watching; they ain't worried about it, right? So it's it's just it it is it's it is where you're at, but it's also fun, you know? It's exciting, a little but, frustrating. But you,
2: you know, what, you know what's really frustrating though is that the A's not too long ago, whether it was leading the division or leading the wild card, mm-hmm. you had your destiny in your own hands, and mm-hmm. it was just like all of a sudden it was gone.
1: Yeah, and, and that's, yeah, that, that's again, you start looking back, and and once you lose that one of those two wild card spots, yeah, then you've lost a lot, and then it's a, it's a double fight, right, because you're fighting yeah. to get wins, and you're also in need of teams to lose, and it, it's sort of the double whammy. Uh, Because you can win a game, yes, right? But then you look up and the teams you're chasing both won. Kind of deflates you, right? Or if you lose, but the teams you're chasing lose, you're like, all right, good. That's okay. the worst. Yeah,
2: yeah, We're good. Let's go. If you if they
1: lose, because we're out in the West Coast, oh, yeah. if
2: we're looking at the scoreboard and either like the Red Sox or the Blue Jays or the Yankees lose and then the A's lose, it's yeah. like, oh,
1: Yeah, God. it is. It's a gut check because because a day on the calendar has been checked off. Yeah. That's kind of the way you you start to look at it this time of year. But, but ultimately, it is fun. Pennant races are great. And – you know, nobody does a pennant race like baseball you know i mean if you look around at all even even in the national league there's a lot going on the american league has a lot going on so it, it is fun because it gives us entertainment every day every single day and, and not just your team's entertainment but what's going on in other games entertainment you know last night i'm watching doing our game but i'm also looking at my my iPad and I'm and I'm seeing the Rays and the Blue Jays. Okay, we, we need the Rays to win, but it then the Blue Jays to... got the bases loaded <laughs> yeah. in the ninth inning, and you're like, "Oh here boy, comes here we Kevin go. cash Yeah, is it, is <laughs> Simeon going to come up, or you know, Vlad. You know, so there's that that entertainment value of not just your game, but other multiple games that you're watching. Um, so it it is a lot of fun. It's a great part of our game.
2: For you this year, what has it meant for you to get back? to doing 162 oh it's
1: huge yeah last year was just some weird thing that happened you know 60 games no fans it really was a forgettable year like i don't remember a lot that happened in games last year just you know it just you just forget about them so yeah this year felt pretty normal outside of not traveling which you know we know the whole deal with that but but I, I think just for baseball in general, to, to to get a full season in, nothing bad has happened yet with the pandemic. Um, a couple teams have had to deal with it, but um, the fans have, have come back. So I, I just think for baseball in general, I think it's huge. It's huge, um, and you know you got another rocky off season coming up. So you know we all got to keep our fingers crossed there with the the labor stuff going on. But but uh, it's been great. It's been great. I, I, I said at the beginning of the year, I said it to my wife, I said, just give me 162. You know, and, and it looks like it's going to happen, which is great.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I had a conversation with a good friend of mine today where we're both just like, you know, in the end, you got to think, the way the labor stoppages when we were growing up, now you're dealing with such far greater yeah. money. That's a good call. It's it a whole It's a whole different the pie the tv money i mean the money that yeah. they make internationally the money they make off their technology and the app and everything it's just it's it's kind of like either side can't be that dumb right
1: yeah. yeah that that's a good point and i think in in past you know the the labor issues that we're talking about where there's been a strike it's really sort of been kind of like well here's our number here's your number we don't agree on that and let's negotiate I mean, this this time around, Tony. you're talking about maybe a complete change in the structure of how the money is split up. That's a big deal. And that's why, you know, people are worried. You know, it's not going to be like, well, yeah, you know, arbitration after three years, that's fine, we'll keep that. Free agency after six, fine, we'll keep that. That may change, and those are huge changes to the structure of, the economy of baseball so that's why i think this has become you're right it's a different deal this time around and if you can get something in place that everybody agrees on and maybe there are some changes that's great but i think you're talking about changes to postseason roster size minimum wage you know there's a lot (laughs) <laughs> Not but minimum wage, that, but, you know, minimum salary. All that for falls
2: the- to the players, like expansion. Yeah. This is all yeah. stuff the players, you know, would want. That's more jobs, you would more think, money, you right? You would think.
1: You would think. But nothing's for free. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's going to be, that's three things we'll take. We want three things back if for the owner. So, yeah, that's that's the, 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 you know, the art of collective bargaining. But this is just a, this one's just different because there's big, big structural issues with the, with baseball economics that make it just incredibly complicated so
2: and i wonder so many of the great players in our game they all have contract extensions for the most part i think the next guy will be juan soto but if you look at all the top players all the top players in their prime i know they're worried about guys in their 30s but you're like really um i i can't imagine you can always say hey this is what's good for the sport but you got so many guys with these big contracts. Why the heck would you not want to play?
1: Yeah, yeah. well, that's – yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I I keep the faith, but baseball has disappointed us before. You know, I think last year they should have played 90 games and they played 60 because they just couldn't look at each other and figure it out. But that was all a game, too, you know. So I I do keep the faith knowing that I hope it's not blind faith, you know. But – I tell you what, if, if I'll be happy if I'm talking to you March 1st and you know we're in, in Arizona and you, you're getting ready for a game or I'm getting ready for a game. That would be a good, good thing, and I, I hope to God it happens.
2: Let's end on this. You know, it is so tough for a franchise to get that guy at quarterback. It really, really is tough, and when you find that guy, you want to keep that guy as long as you can. But being a fan of a franchise who, for some reason, really enjoys ticking off that franchise quarterback, you've now done it not once, but back-to-back times. What are we talking about here with the really, Packers? Cody,
1: he's got to go here.
2: I mean, you're one and one now. You got that victory on Monday Night Football. They covered
1: the spread, Towney. Last night. Oh, I night. was.
2: Don't, hey, I was watching. Eleven
1: and a half. They covered.
2: I mean, Aaron Rodgers not good <laughs> enough for you?
1: I don't know. It is a little frustrating. Um I try to say, hey, we've you know, we've had a great run, but um, yeah, it's a little weird. I think, I think at times maybe the, the 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 front office, if that's what they call it in football, maybe they're not quite sure how to handle these situations. And I think, I think he can be a handful. I think it's kind of the passive-aggressive handful, if you know what I mean. Um, I'll be surprised if he's their quarterback next year. I don't see it happening, but I do know that they really would like him to have a big year because they they could get a nice you know. But it is a little frustrating because I don't I think it makes the organization and the player look bad, and I don't like the Packers to look bad. It's like you don't want the A's to look bad with situations like this. But I I think they're trying to do their best to set it up so it doesn't end poorly like it did with Favre, but brett Favre. Yeah, yeah exactly because <laughs> that was smooth <laughs> so i think at least they're trying to set up an exit strategy but i guess that may be the price you have to pay when you have somebody like that that's you know a special quarterback but it, it doesn't always end well and i don't know that it's going to end great here but
2: well i do know this i will always have my picture when we took the tour uh, we took the picture right in front of his locker. Absolutely. It's amazing. If you yeah. if you ever get to Lambeau Field, you got to take the tour. You literally go into the Packers locker room and take pictures see? at every player's locker see, if you want it.
1: See, Tony I told you that, and, and, and it changed your life forever. It was a religious experience, was it not? It's one of the greatest <laughs> sports experiences of all time. <laughs> the Hall of Fame is like a real Hall of Fame. It's a pretty good Hall of Fame, yeah. And you know what? I mean, the cheeseburgers at Brett Favre Steakhouse taste better than any other place.
2: Well, there was a wait we, a former A's employee, I can't remember his name, now works for the and he gave us the special tour. Yeah. We got into the restaurant. Normally you can't get in there. You gotta book that thing like two yeah. months out to get you got in, in there. I got in there on a Saturday. Did
1: you say, Do you know who I am? I'm Uncle Tommy. <laughs>
2: I just kinda walked in and went, Hey man, that's, I'm happy to be here.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you got to experience it is a pretty cool place. If you're a football fan you should you should definitely try to get there. I'm trying to, I want to take my kids there, but you know, it's 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 hard to do this time of year, obviously. But um yeah, that's Probably not going to end great with the Rodgers thing, but uh, I've enjoyed it while he's been there, and sometimes you got to just move on. I hear you. Maybe he'll be a Raider. Dun, dun,
2: dun. No, we got Derek Carr. Derek Carr might be the MVP well, this Derek year. Well, Derek
1: Carr may be, may be your best trade bait. Derek
2: Carr may give be me a Packer. Give me Carr,
1: give me Carr, <laughs> a young wide receiver. Rugs. Hey, give me rugs and give me <laughs> three number ones, and you can have Rodgers in February. Fair? <laughs> no. Come on. You You're me? thinking about it,
2: though. <laughs> You're going to release them. We'll pick them up anyway. <laughs>
1: hey, appreciate always no coming down anytime. Let's get a W. We need a W bad.
2: And hopefully, the next time we do this, we'll be in the
1: postseason. Let's hope so. So, and I, I, I want to. I, I need to drive home listening to you. I
2: want to be positive. I
1: need to be on the 580 feeling good.
2: All right. I'm going to no Stop matter,
1: bringing me down, Townie.
2: No matter what tonight it'll be positive. You know what
1: Elo said, the electric light orchestra. Yeah. Don't bring me down." <laughs> Thank you.
2: You're listening to Ace Cast live.
0: Streaming from Ricky Henderson Field, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
2: Wow. Looks like the commander is already throwing Jace Tingler under the bus manager for the San Diego Padres as the Padres have just collapsed. Worse than what we have seen with the Oakland Athletics. Are you gonna say Bruce Bochi is coming back to rescue the Padres? If it's not Boch I got another guy in mind. What about Buck Showalter?
4: Why, why, why do you keep wanting old guys? Well, I'm sorry. Are we supposed to hire young guys? Name me a young
2: guy out there they could hire. Mark Kotze, former Padre, grew up in Southern California. Wow! Did I, I just throw you a curveball? I don't know. If,
4: that's not a curveball. Wow! When I
2: think young, I'm thinking like Jay Stingley's like 38.
4: How old do you think Katsay's like 44? Did he play against McCullers? So he's around yeah. your age. So no,
2: he's, yeah, he's, he's probably 44, 45. Katsay is? Katsay's going to get a manager's job. There is no question about it. Katsay's 45. He'll be 46 in December. There you go. By the way, Chris Bassett just off here from our set is talking to the media as it's been announced that Chris Bassett will be starting for the A's on Thursday. And I got to tell you, as a guy that's been a friend of the program and Chris is a great kid, I'm going to be so happy, no matter what the outcome is, I'm going to be so happy to see him get back on the mound. You know, what he means to this organization as a guy that, you know, originally when he got here, you wouldn't have thought that. You know, everything that he's been through. You know, one of the guys that had Tommy John surgery and had setbacks and truly wondered whether his career was going to be over or not and battled back, battled through it, wasn't always happy about going up and down. You know, we, we've got that story where we've talked with him uh, about it, where we were in Japan and he was getting sent down for a fourth option because he hadn't played because of the Tommy John and he was not happy. And however, I did the interview with him, and that's where, you know, he, we've played the promo where I, I, I'm like, hey, I tried to pump him up on the way out going, man, you're going to mean a lot to this team. Go down there, do what you got to do, but you're going to be back up. And, of course, that happened. But I remember after I did that interview, I then went back. So that was back into the clubhouse of the Tokyo Dome. And I went back out of the clubhouse of the Tokyo Dome and went out to the field To talk to David Forrest. And I said, hey, David, I just did this interview, and I don't want to get anybody in trouble. This is what Chris said. He was just being honest. He was speaking from the heart. Are you cool? Because, I mean, I'm not going to go to PR. I'm going to go to David. I mean, David's the guy that deals with the players. He's the general manager. And David said, air it. I totally understand. That's one of the great things about working for this organization is that no one's afraid of honesty. Bob Melvin's not afraid of it. David Force is not afraid of it. And God knows Billy Bean is not afraid of it. I mean, Billy, Billy's so battle-hardened, it'd be like, what? He said, ah! But David Force said, no, Eric, I totally understand why he's upset. It, it's a rule. It's a tough rule that you're able. But, I mean, the A's were going to utilize a rule that helped them. You know, because otherwise they could have lost. Think about it. If they didn't have that. If the A's didn't have that fourth option, the injury option with Chris Bassett, and they would have put him out there, someone would have claimed him. And Chris Bassett would not be here today. He would not be the anchor of your staff. So when you think about, was it cool that that happened? No, but thank God it did. Because Chris Bassett would not be in Oakland A as we speak.
4: I remember you telling me that story, and uh, when you first – and that, that whole situation and just watching the maturation of his career from what he did last year during the 60-game season to what he was doing this year. I mean, he was in the Cy Young conversation for a majority of the year. And then obviously what happened in Chicago on the, on the what do they play, the south side?
2: No, it might be the the White Sox play. Ken Korak used to work for the White Sox. White Sox play on what, the east side? West side? west
3: side. The west side,
2: a west side story? Lake Michigan, East that? Side. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the South Side. Cody is where yeah. the White Sox play. Probably... <laughs> <laughs> so well, you're that... playing on a barge in Lake Michigan.
4: So when that happened, you, you're hoping that you know you're hoping for the best and maybe
2: Matt Kawahara yeah. from the Chronicle is going to join us yeah. here. He was just talking to he was just talking to. We're going to we're going to get the skinny, and we'll take him right now. Let's get the skinny on what Chris Bassett had to say. Matt, how are you? Hey, hey, by the way, Matt has been our road warrior. It's great to <laughs> finally have you here on the field. With I know. Us. Good to
0: see you face to face.
2: Yeah. How's everything going? Uh,
0: it's going well. It's getting to the last couple of weeks here.
2: So, what did Chris Bassett have to say? Because I know A's fans care so much.
0: Yeah. I mean, he says he's ready to go. He said he's felt he's felt ready to go, um, and I think he's just excited to get back on the mound. Like it, from the beginning, he said that you know he didn't remember. The, uh, the actual incident, he didn't remember throwing the pitch, and he thought whenever he did get back on the mound, that would help him because it, he wouldn't be taking the mound with sort of that fear or uncertainty of potentially having it happen again. And it, the thing that he's said multiple times here is, if it happens again, it happens again. But, you know, that's kind of the attitude that I think every pitcher really has to kind of, to an extent, take to the mound. And, you know, you try not to think about it, but he's, you know, I, it seems like he's going to be going out there full bore and he's ready to go. I think no question... When he comes out, it's going to be a
2: su- such a huge lift for not only the pitchers in the dugout. I think all the position players. What he means as a leader on this team. Just talk about what Thursday is going to be like when he runs out there to take the mound.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. I think this is. I mean, for a team that is still you know fighting for uh, sort of its playoff lives here and. Last night, you know, you could tell. I think they were—they're were a little bit ground down coming to the end of it, and probably every team is at this point. But just to have a guy like that, who was their the leader, of their, not only the rotation, but such a huge presence on this clubhouse and this team, uh, to have him kind of coming back just for the last week and a half, two weeks, and, and coming back from the kind of thing that he came back from, I think that is going to be a huge sort of emotional lift for them, um, even if you know he's pretty just kind of <laughs> laser focused forward on it. I think I think that will be a big thing for them to get him back.
2: I mean, you saw it; you were there. Mm-hmm. I, and and I mentioned in the post game that night that you don't see EMTs come onto the field very often. No. I don't think I've ever saw it. I mean, I've been doing this close to thirty years. I've never seen it in my career. I mean, it was really really scary. Yeah,
0: it, yeah, incredibly scary. I mean, because you know, in the in the initial moment, you don't really know what happens, and then he because he actually made when you went back and watched the replays. You know, he got hit in the face and then he made like an initial move to go after the ball. And then he just grabbed the face and collapsed. And you don't know at the at the time, like for those moments, what's going on, how bad it is. He gets carted off the field. He's holding the towel over his face the whole time. So you can't really see sort of what the effects are. Um, and then there was kind of the lingering question throughout the game. And they, the players didn't really know either. The team is sitting in there. Uh, the players said afterward they were asking for updates and like, has he gotten to the hospital yet? What's sort of what's the status there? Um, and fortunately I think for them it wasn't too long until they realized that it wasn't as bad as it could be and there were actually some positive developments pretty quickly where there was vision issues were ruled out and interior of head brain issues were ruled out so um, I think they were able to kind of at least have that um, in the next 24 hours or so to to, to start moving on from it but but yeah it was it was super scary and um, I don't know I think it's going to be it was really interesting for me because I was, I was down in Anaheim uh, this past weekend when he threw his, uh, his simulated uh, innings. He just threw a couple of simulated innings with Skybolt standing in the batter's box. Um, and it was the first time that he had pitched off of a mound, throwing kind of full go with a hitter in the box, taking live swings. Um, so I, I was, I don't know, not that I'm like a great reader of this, but I was just watching him to see how he reacted to swings and if he reacted to loud contact in any way that was kind of like a flinch or a lift of, uh, lift of the arm or anything like that. From what I remember, Skybolt basically, he hit one line drive that was a pretty sharp line drive in the right field. And uh, uh, Bassett's reaction was to, like, slap his leg and kind of bark frustratedly because he'd probably missed the location with a pitch or something. It seems like he's normal, which this being a month away from, from what happened and less than a month away from the surgery is not is remarkable, um, just to, to be getting back to this point because, I mean, t- to go back to the, the start, just when it happened, I, I don't think – the concern was at all whether he'd be able to get back to pitch this season. It was just whether he's going to be okay. What does he think he can give on Thursday? Yeah, he said he doesn't know. He said he's going to go until Bob Melvin comes and takes him out. So, uh, And Melvin said he, he doesn't know about length yet. Um, I think, you know, he was down for a few, I guess, a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks without throwing, uh, maybe two, two and a half, and has been sort of slowly. And he, I don't think he's thrown more than, like, 30 pitches in a live session yet, so. Um, so I don't know necessarily that he's going to be like going out there and trying to give him six, um, but again, this is a guy that's coming back from facial surgery. So A, I, I don't think they're going to be demanding that, and then B, on the other hand, maybe he gets out there and gets in <laughs> a role, and they're not going to put anything past him. But I think they'll 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 be careful with him. I mean, there's no uh, th- James Caprillian who was scheduled to pitch on Thursday uh, is now going to be right back in the bullpen like he was going to be a week ago anyway, and is um, so he'll be sort of there. I think as a, as a potential backup option for some long relief maybe if they decide to do it that way. Um, I I think, you know, they would probably be happy with getting Bassett back out there for, you know, a few innings, two, three innings, um, just to get him back on the mound and see what he can do. But who knows when he gets out there.
2: Uh, I mean, if he's rolling, you kind of – you're running out of games. He's only got (laughs) so many games. I mean – why not why not let him go? I mean we're 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 at such desperate especially after the loss last night. Mm. I mean it's just talk about we're at such desperate times right now. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it does I don't know it's like it's getting to the point where you know one one game, one win or one loss can like sway it the other way cuz you know they they roll off five wins in a row and everybody's kind of starting to feel good again and then they come in and and play that that loss last night where it just didn't look like they had a lot of energy and yeah, like you said it's kind of right back to I don't know, it's getting getting close here. So they have um but you know, they're still there's still two games out of that second wild card spot. And obviously they control nothing of what is going on in the East, but um but yeah, they just they basically need to win as many games as they can and and beat a Mariners team that's been really tough on them all year. Um and has kind of is has pitched them really well. I mean, they've lost six straight to the Mariners and they've scored a total of 16 runs I think in those six losses. So uh offense has been a, a, a big issue uh, against Seattle, and Seattle's bullpen has pitched really well against them. So if they can get to starters, they have Marco Gonzalez tonight, a guy they've obviously seen a lot. So if they can get to him a little bit, that, that would be key.
2: It literally makes you want to throw this chair. How the hell can we <laughs> beat the Mariners? Are you serious? <laughs> and then we're looking up here at the scoreboard. And, you know, the Yankees lead one nothing in the third. Tampa and Toronto are tied 1-1 in the third, which is good. We're rooting for Tampa. Zeros between the Red Sox and the Mets at Fenway Park. The problem is you need not one. Well, first of all, you've got to get hot. Mm-hmm. And then you need not one but two teams to fall to you.
0: Yeah. Um, although, they're, I mean, I think, what are they, a uh, half game behind the Yankees or a game and a half? I forget what it was coming into today. What are we – we had it on
2: here. We like to call this the playbook. So Toronto leads the Yankees by half game. They're playing Tampa. Yankees play host. A's
0: are two back. Got it. So what are we, a
2: game and a half back in the Yankees? game and a half back in the Yankees,
0: yeah. yeah. So, they're yeah, like like you said, they need to uh, have a couple fall back. But there's so much sort of like interplay between those three teams. I mean, the Yankees still, I think, see – I think they still see Toronto, Boston, and Tampa. If I'm not mistaken, I, I might have gotten that wrong. I mean, Boston has the easiest remaining schedule. They play like the Nationals and the uh, the Orioles. I think in their last six games, something like that. Um, so, and and Toronto. I mean, they're they've been the hottest team in in the league for a little while. So yeah, it's it's going to be. I, I think what the A's the the message that the A's have repeated throughout this whole thing is. There are so many sort of permutations there that they just can't pay attention to all this. <laughs> like they cannot worry about what's going on in the East. They just need to take care of of their own business, and that really, really does start with playing better against Seattle.
2: What gives you hope?
0: Uh, <laughs> what gives me hope? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if hope is right. I think uh, I think there is reason enough. Well, I th- I think from from their perspective, the fact that the offense has has produced a lot more over the last like month, month and a half than it was during the first half of the season um is that's probably one source of hope um they just have it's been tough for them to sort of time things up I think this is a point that Bob Melvin has made a couple of times is when it seems like their offense has been producing their pitching hasn't quite been there and when their pitching was there earlier in the season the offense wasn't there so they had a lot of like uh games where they just couldn't put all the facets together um so I think what they I think maybe the the best Potential uh, scenario for them is the offense keeps producing like it has over the last month. Obviously, not last night, but uh, and then the the pitching just kind of reverts to the um, something close to what it was over the first you know three four months of the season. Even though you're coming down to the end, and I think you're seeing that guys are guys are tired. Innings are weighing on guys, and they have worked a lot of innings.
2: Yeah, I've thought about and we just had Scott Emerson on the program, and you know talking about it, it was like sometimes it's not it's not just it's physical it's mental mm-hmm. the mental exhaustion and he goes i don't want to use that as a crutch <laughs> but i'm like it's a reality you got guys you got guys who are throwing deeper into seasons that that they've never done before yeah. right yeah. so how, how did, so it taxes you people think it's just all about the arm but it also taxes you mentally
0: yeah i think you're right and uh I mean, yeah, you look at the rotation. I mean, Cole Irvin's in his first real kind of full season starting. I think he's already passed his most innings for a pro season. Obviously, Caprillian didn't have a lot of innings coming in. Um, and now they're sort of relying on Paul Blackburn to, to fill one of those rotation spots. Even Bassett said the other day when he was uh, we were talking in Anaheim, he was like, "Even I mean, I haven't really pitched a full season like this uh, at starting from start to finish. Um, it's not something that he has really done, at least for a little while. And definitely not at the level that he was doing before he got hurt. So, um, so yeah, I think I, and there's, there's that. And then there's also the fact that you're coming off a short season. And, I mean, that was something that was kind of a big deal at the beginning of the year. People were wondering how that was going to affect uh, teams and pitching staffs. Um, but now coming down to the end of the year, I think you're seeing that where it was like last season was, you know, two months and, and you're done. And, and this year just feels getting back to that full season feels like a grind. Um, and talking to I, I was talking to Sean Doolittle actually yesterday before the game and he, that's a point that he made was this feels the season just feels long and his words were not not just for like us old guys <laughs> like, <laughs> for for everybody. It's just it feels it feels like a long season. Um, and getting right down to the end. So they have to find a way to push through.
2: Somebody said it to me the other day and I went, Wow, God, is this really gonna happen? But they said obviously this year. You know, from the short year to this year because of COVID. But then it's like it probably will affect next year, too. And I was like, really? I don't know if I buy that or not. But Like the ramping back up on arms? I I don't know. I Mm. mean, they were just like, watch. It's going to affect the next year, too. There's going to be an effect. Hmm. And I went, I'm not going to put it past it. I mean, because it's not like COVID is gone. The variant is still out there. It's like, you know. Are we going to go back to a normal spring training next year? We don't know. Yeah, we have no idea with the CBA, but once we find, hopefully, they'll figure that out. But we don't know what spring training will look like. I mean, we're still going to have to have show that we got a vaccine card to get on the field, and I mean, I have no idea what next year is going to look like.
0: I well, don't either. Yeah, especially with the CBA question, there's there's going to be a lot of question marks going into the off season for sure.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, they're down to it. This is it, mm-hmm. and hopefully, they can make it happen. Are, are you uh, going to be traveling?
0: For oh, the, the last, last yeah, yeah, we'll be going. Well, to Let's Seattle hook up on Houston. the last one. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You'll
2: be our eyes and ears of what's <laughs> going on with the A's as it ends, and because you know the thing was, after you won five in a row, it laid out for you. Here, here's the team you got to beat to get away from, and then the team you're trying to chase mm-hmm. is in front of you too. You're zero for one with these games left, so hopefully it will change. Mm. For sure. Appreciate you stopping by, Absolutely. and finally having you on the field and not on the phone. I know, yeah. Let's do this more often. Huh? All right, thanks, buddy. And Take care. Crazy. All right, how much time we got left?
4: Uh, about uh, six or seven minutes. You want to do a little buying or selling? Yeah, let me let me get the open because I do want to get to the Padres because uh, you're right. I'm throwing I'm throwing my guy Jace Tingler under the bus.
3: It's time for buying or selling so
4: sell. right now
3: with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live.
4: All right, so uh, we have done this in a while, so it's just. Uh, Bob Townsend's Padres.
2: My brother's Padres are. are, 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 are they, they're we, a mess. I think they're already down the drain. They're, they're not circling the drain, they're well, down the drain.
4: Well, remember, they fired Larry Rothschild, their pitching coach, and. He was the reason why they. It were, was they were his fighting. fault. Now yeah, it's now they fired they fired their uh, farm director because uh, apparently it's his fault that the team the team's not former
2: winning. Former A employee Sam Gainey.
4: Yeah, so you got two guys that you're you're finding all these scapegoats when uh well, it's the guys on the field that aren't winning the games, not the uh, farm director. So the Padres collapse continues. They were swept in St. Louis over the weekend, and now they're uh, about I think they're three and a half games back in the uh, wild card entering because the Cardinals are the number one wild card after the, the sweep. Over their last 35 games, the Padres are 10 and 25. Oh, and they start a series tonight against the Giants at home at Petco Park. But on Saturday, there was a huge bull up in the Padres dugout between Fernando Tatis Jr., their bench coach, Bobby Dickerson, and Manny Machado. Dickerson tried to motivate Tatis by saying, let's effing go, after he was pouting from a strikeout and almost got ejected. Manny Machado, if you saw the image, then you'll know we're talking more of the video. His eyes are huge, yelling at him, go play baseball. It's not effing about you. And that blew up because the Padres are having all these problems. So since 2014, AJ Preller has hired three different managers in his tenure as the general manager. So uh, to make a long thing short, buying or selling, this will be Jace Tingler's final season in Slam Diego.
2: I am buying. I just don't know who. I mean, we all want to think Bruce Bochy will be the guy. But like I said earlier, I'm not going with the old guy, but then again, maybe I would. I would have said that before the start of the year. And now look at Tony LaRussa. Maybe Tony Larusa will change the way people feel because everybody. Because what was the guy Green they had before? Uh, Andy, Air, Green. Andy, Andy Green. Green. Yeah. And supposedly Andy Green thought he was the smartest guy in the world, and it just rubs so many people wrong. So some of these young guys who interview great. See, that's the thing. There's one thing being a manager where you're able to control the clubhouse, the players, handle the analytics, do all of that. But some of these guys, they interview, they're fantastic interviews, but then all of a sudden when it comes time to do the analytics, but most importantly, you gotta be able to handle the players. He was not good at that. And then now Jace Tingler not working. So maybe you go the old guy route but like I threw I threw out a name, you know, a potential candidate. I know I know, if I was running the show down there, a guy that I would talk to is a guy that that's right here. Former A and a former Padre and a former Marlin. Cal State Fullerton great. I'd interview Mark Kotze.
4: He's a guy, the, you know, the other guy I was thinking of, too. And I don't know if many teams will look at him, but just going off the success they've had this year in San Francisco, the Giants bench coach Kai Correa would be a guy, too. I know he's young, but he's like Kapler's right-hand person in San, in San Francisco. So maybe he's a guy. But I mean, who knows? They'll, they'll probably keep, they'll keep Tingler because him and the bench coach are under contract through next year. So they probably won't want to pay those guys and then hire someone else. So uh, we'll see. But it's going to be an interesting offseason for Slam Diego because uh, well, all the, all the expectations. And now Manny Machado is trying to be a, a leader uh, yelling at the the best player on the team. We'll can, see how that goes. Can I rip the Friars for a second? That's your hometown. That's your team. That's a team you grew up watching.
2: That's not my ball club. I divorced that a long time ago. <laughs> uh, they are the the most swaggerish team that has never won anything. They they literally are annoying to watch. Like when the A's played them. Every guy has a handshake. Everybody's jumping. Everybody's doing they got the chain. They got all this stuff going on. You've won nothing. You've never finished higher than third. How are you how do you have this this much swagger? What have you done to earn this swag? Uh, maybe, do you know what I'm saying?
4: Yeah, well maybe I think maybe.
2: Have better. you ever seen a team jump around and have eight million handshake? Each guy's got his own handshake with a different guy. I like watching it. And I'm like going, these guys are literally annoying. Uh, now, if, now, if they had two World Series rings, yeah. you'd be like, OK, you can dance around, do whatever the
4: hell you want. There's two teams that are kind of like that, but they're good. And they were in the postseason last year. Well, the Padres were, too. The White Sox are very, they have a lot of swag. And so do the Blue Jays. But the Blue Jays have the home run jacket, but they're, no, we're none, they're neither one were like the what the
2: Padres. No, every, I mean, if a guy hits a home run and he comes around home plate, he literally is gonna have like four or five different handshakes with different guys and they're putting the the, the chain on them and they're doing all this kind of stuff. And you're like, boys, you gotta earn that. I, I have no problem with having fun. I'm not doing get off my lawn. Everybody likes having fun, but there's a point to where it gets excessive and you're not winning, and and everybody, I mean, they're jumping and dancing, in the, and like, bro, you're in third place. Yeah. Well,
4: I, they're in third place. They're probably going to miss the playoffs uh, this year after being in the playoffs last can year. Can you so. imagine
2: if if we actually put out like a high uh, – you can put a highlight reel of all the dancing and, and all the stuff that they do, and they're not going to play make the postseason? That's, uh, uh, that's, that's literally – it's almost – Bush League. Uh, a little bit,
4: and they're pitching. I mean, there's so many problems with that team. It's not just one or two things, but uh, they, they maybe the managerial change is what they need to do. Um, let me see what time we have. He's we, a horse. I think we have uh, – I'll get this one in. He's Max, a horse. Max Scherzer has been wonderful for the Los Angeles Dodgers since he came over from the Nats. He's 7-0 with a .78 ERA, 79 Ks, and 58 in the third innings. That's, uh, five, that's five earned runs in those innings, these pitches. Five earned runs in 58 innings with the Dodgers. Now, I've recently heard talk- people talk about how he's the greatest trade, di- trade deadline acquisition of all time. The Dodgers are 9-0 in his first nine starts. Um, to, that just shows you how important he's been. Some other guys are pretty good. In 1984, Rick Sutcliffe, friend of the program, went from the went to the Cubs from the, I think it was with the Indians, won the Cyung and went 16-1 with a 2.49 ERA. David Cohen was traded to the Blue Jays in the early 90s. Randy Johnson went to the Astros in 1998 uh manny ramirez to the dodgers and now the guy that i think personally is the best trade and trade deadline acquisition i've seen cc sabathia went to the brewers in 2008 he won 11 and 2 in 17 starts he literally pitched every three days and the brewers got into the postseason
2: it's tough i mean randy johnson with the astros he was amazing he was ritz Sutcliffe was amazing but what cc sabathia did was truly historic
4: buying or selling max scherzer is the best trade deadline acquisition of all time,
2: I'm going. Of all time, of all time, over like position players too. Yeah, why not? You're out. You're not giving me the greatest position players ever acquired. I, I was just throwing just throwing names out there. I'm... Uh, wasn't there a guy named Carlos Beltran years ago that went to the Houston Astros and ended up leading them to the World Series? Yeah, he was good. Yeah, yeah. I probably would go him. Me- me- remember, set records. Me- me- set what, records in the postseason.
4: Me- remember a couple years later when he was traded to the Giants for Zach Wheeler? How'd that work out?
2: If you remember what Carlos Beltran did for the Astros, where he was hitting home runs in the Oh, they postseason. were unbelievable. First of all, he already did it in the postseason, so you're trying to call Scherzer, who hasn't pitched in the postseason yet for the Dodgers, better than guys who've actually pitched or played in the postseason who have been traded at the deadline. Just, you know, your old cart-before-the-horse trick.
4: Uh, well, Scherzer has won a World Series before, so.
2: But he hasn't. With the Dodgers. With the Los
4: Angeles Dodgers. Uh, you're right, though, Um he was really good when he got traded to Beltron. The Killer Bees, him, uh, Bagwell, Biggio, go Berkman. look at that. Go look what he did. It was amazing. Yeah, I, m- I remember watching it because they played the White Sox in the World Series, and yeah. Jeff Blum got a statue built after him. That now he calls Astros game. So uh, that's uh, he was a good. He was a really good one. And then he was good for the Mets too. I mean, Beltron's had a really nice career of being traded at the deadline. So uh, that that that's the last means you're wanted. Yeah, it's true. I mean, John, how many times has John Lester been traded at the deadline? Well, A's. A's. Cardinals. Twice. Oh, that's right. Because I was saying, no, he signed with the Cubs. No, yeah, he signed with the Cubs, but he went to the Cardinals this year. So he won his 200 game with the Cardinals.
2: That's why David Cohn, David Cohn was a hired gun. Look
4: at the Cardinals' rotation, too, by the way. How old are they? They're, all, <laughs> they're old. Yeah. Hap. Uh, we just said it was, what, 38? Wainwright, Wainwright, 40. Lester's 37.
2: Who else is in their rotation? They have another guy that's old too. Emo, I, I Eno, we just had Emo on. Eno, I gotta tell you, I've put it in my studio. I have not drank it yet. It's like a trophy. You're right next to my Jose Canseco Rookie of the Year bobblehead. I'll send you a picture. I don't know, I don't You made need to bring me another one because I wanna keep the can. The can is awesome. Yes. Bring me one, I'll drink it. I wanna keep one as like a trophy. To honor the great Eno Saris from the Athletic, one of the great writers, you know you've made it when a brewery makes a beer after you. It's true. It no, no breweries made a beer after me. No wine. No food product. That's where you know you've made it. The great Eno Saris. Yeah. Well, that's all the buying or selling today.
4: Oh, we'll get to. The, I'll do. We'll do Lester tomorrow. Give it to me now. We got time. Uh, no, we, we're done. Okay, who are we playing? Uh, we're going to have um, green and gold history with Feldy coming up before you come
2: Green on. and gold history. We want to thank Glenn Kuiper, Matt Kawahara, and the great Scott Emerson, Scott Emerson, the pitching coach of your Oakland Athletics. Green and gold history next, and I'll be back with A's total access at 540.